has mentioned it isn't quite as advanced as Steve mentioned, and it's still progressing, and it still feels to some extent at a relatively early stage, um, has been massively assisted. In fact, wouldn't have been able to proceed at all if it wasn't for the extraordinary work of the Walter Rodney Foundation based in Atlanta um, and the archive which they set up and which the family set up, um, which, is, um, which is also in Atlanta. So a lot of the work that I've done was based um, in that archive. So just to give a very brief overview, overview, born in 1942 in the politicizing environment in colonial British Guyana, occupied by the British, who in the 1950s, as many of us will know, began to offer some begrudging reforms and self-government. Rodney's, some of Rodney's earliest memories were delivering leaflets to the, um, to the neighborhood for the People's Progressive Party in which his parents were keen members. Um, brilliant at school, he won a scholarship to study history at um, the University College of the West Indies in Kingston, Jamaica in 1960. And his radical positions and politics and a series of trips that he made around the Caribbean and Cuba in particular, singled him out for attention by the colonial intelligence services in those early years. Traveled to the UK to undertake a PhD in African history at SOAS, although originally um, um, it was going to be in, in Oxford, where Patricia, his partner, his life partner and his future wife was already um, working as a nurse. The PhD, which was published in 1970, uh, 1970 and dedicated to the working people of Guyana, in Rodney's words, in the 1966 PhD, which is uh, an extraordinary piece of work and um, well worth reading um, as much as some of his more celebrated um, publications um, available on the um, SOAS website. But he dedicated it in 66 in choosing Africa, I quote, as a field of study, I have been inspired by the masses of the West Indies who also supplied most of the finances via the University of the West Indies. While in London, he joins a Marxist study group in which both CLR James and Selma James um, are leading members. Um, both, of course, celebrated um, Marxists based, based in um, London at the time. Is everyone, can everyone hear me all right? Yep, no problem okay, at all. Okay, great, sorry, I just, it, it all went yes, yes. eerily silent for a while, so I was worried that you'd, all, you'd, all, you'd all disappeared. Um, so what is notable about, throughout this extraordinary um, period, and even from this relatively early period, is the incredible rigor of thought and analysis in Rodney's work. Never a shortcut, everything in front of him, every source read across all political traditions. This is brilliantly put by um, Jesse Benjamin, the Atlanta-based Walter Rodney scholar. And he explains how real and urgent his search for truth and answers was, but also how undoctrinaire and creative he was in his thinking, studying thoroughly the deep historical roots of each place and then the process of decolonizing our thinking sufficiently to, to the task of liberation. He mentions his interest in physics. 
He reads about the natural world and the environment. He went wherever the question and the issues took him. And he was always independent in his thought, a point which I'll come back to. Reading the original texts and forming his own analysis in the process, never skipping steps as a scholar, meticulous in his, in his um, language and his argument. So, so a, a fantastic statement clarifying, I think, his um, incredible rigor and approach to scholarship and study. Students in Tanzania um, complained to him about the, um, the process of footnoting and referencing. And um, Rodney, as a teacher, was absolutely clear that this was a procedure that they had to follow. They had to learn the rules of engagement, partly to combat uh, an enemy. Never miss a stage. In his PhD book, The History of the Upper Guinea Coast, I briefly mentioned a very important piece of work. Um, even though he was slightly critical of it in 1975 in that famous interview that he gave, you already get this great attention to detail and willingness that um, Jesse Benjamin refers to, taking on authority figures in African history while constructing from source material misconceptions Areas in the prevailing um, historical narrative. The family moved to Tanzania, firstly in 1966, fresh from finishing his PhD. And of course, it was a newly formed family, married to Patricia in 65, son born really um, weeks before he leaves, um, uh, Shaka, in June um, 1966. Takes up a lectureship at the University of Dar es Salaam. And I've actually just come from a fascinating um, seminar on a new biography of Julius Nairi, which um, has been produced by a, a number of people. The atmosphere in Dar, when Rodney turns up in, in 66, was incredibly exciting. A um, openly socialist government committed to a program of radical transformation from, from the top down. And this was a process that Rodney was, at, um, was involved in right, right from the start. Again, this is something that I'll refer to a little, uh, in a little more detail. The family then re returned to Jamaica um, and the university where Rodney takes up a lectureship in 68. I don't have time, unfortunately, to talk in very much detail about um, the astonishing events that took place that year, and particularly the end of the year, the Rodney riots, a rebellion in my mind, um, that took place after his expulsion on the um, um, 15th of October after his um, government declaring him persona non grata while he was at a conference in, uh, in Canada. Um, as a consequence of this, he is forced to find other work and a second period in Tanzania starts. Terence Ranger, head of the Department of History at the University of Dar es Salaam, contacts him in late 68 to say that there is a, a, petition, a position, sorry, which he is welcome to fill. The family return and stay until 1974, plunging themselves into debates and discussions triggered by the Orisha Declaration. Essentially, the Orisha Declaration was a commitment to build a country um, based on servicing the needs of workers and peasants. Essentially, again, it was a top-down project led by a, a bureaucracy. And increasingly, as the late, um, 60s move on and, the early, and in the early 70s, it's quite clear that independent workers struggle and student protests were 
um, being systematically cracked down on. However, the university was a remarkable and exciting hotbed of ideas, not all fraternal and certainly not all socialist, but nevertheless ones in which um, Rodney and his comrades could throw themselves into. Rodney is keen, though not uncritical, support of the projects of Nairi, challenging um, in 69 what he describes as the briefcase revolutions of independence, as he termed them, singled out by Nairi for his criticism in a public lecture in um, 1969, um, and an incident which, again, we can talk about, but which was quite significant. His work during his time in Tanzania was exhaustive, constant, involving writing, teaching, working with some of the university's most militant student, students, including Issa Shivji, um, Karim Herji, and others, and also being a key um, participant in the radical group University Students African Revolutionary Front before it was um, banned. So Rodney threw himself into debates at the university as it began to transform itself or try to transform itself from a colonial institution and in the countries it sought to address decades, indeed generations of underdevelopment. And he brings into these debates and discussions what Benjamin describes as a Marxism in which black power is central. Debates which I would argue were important um, to life, essentially expatriate life, on the university and the politics of newly independent Tanzania. Again, very important um, arguments and disagreements among that expatriate um, group on the university. And Rodney took a very clear line in those arguments, using some of the experience um, that he picked up um, from the Black Power Movement, of which he was also a leading member. Publishes one of the most astonishing books on African history in 1972, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Among the book's arguments, he was addressing a black audience and explaining the poverty of African societies and the continent's position in a global hierarchy that had systematically bled its wealth, resources, and humanity. A book that became a movement sold in activist stores in New York and San Francisco, in uh, cross Nigeria, in Ghana. A substantial amount of the archive in Atlanta, the Walter Rodney papers, is made up of letters from activists and comrades who've had their world turned upside down by the book. This is not an exaggeration. One early reader of the book from Lagos, Nigeria, wrote to Rodney in 73, I have just bought your book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa, and I want to inform you that you are one of my heroes. I am just 20 and entering the University of Ibadan next year, so all I need now are inspirations from you. The book is hurriedly translated, um, enthusiastic letters arrive um, from people willing to do those translations into Dutch and Portuguese. Mass orders of the book are also um, made which feeds in um, to that black power um, politics in the States principally, in which Rodney was a vital component and intellectual force. The family decided to leave Dar es Salaam in 1974. At, um, in, in about March that year, Issa Shivji explains as a student in Dar and a young lecturer, pleads with him to stay, to which Rodney, he reports, responds, no comrade, 
I can make my contrib contribution here, but I will never be able to grasp the idiom of the people. I will not be able to um, connect easily. I have to go back to the people I know and who know me. In 1974, therefore, um, Rodney with his um, wife, Patricia and children, Shaka, Kanini and Asha, both born in Tanzania in 69 and 71 respectively, returned to Guyana and the capital Georgetown. Rodney had secured a professorship in history at the National University. However, on the eve of his departure, the government led by Forbes Burnham intervened and the university rescinded the appointment. Burnham led the People's National Congress and paraded himself. And this of course is an absolutely central point internationally and nationally as a socialist who supported progressive causes, celebrated by many radical um, figures around uh, the Caribbean, despite receiving covert funds from the CIA and much else. Under Burnham, all independent political opposition are suppressed, and certainly towards the late um, 70s, opposition activists targeted and murdered. Determined to stay in Guyana, despite not having formal employment, Rodney quickly became immersed in the militant organization, the Working People's Alliance, set up as a, um, a grouping of a number of different radical left organizations. Before long, he was one of the main leaders of the WPA, organizing in the capital of Georgetown and across the country. The country's small and militant working class were concentrated, not exclusively, in the extractive sectors of sugar production, bauxite mining, and in agriculture. For years, the Indian population transported to the country by the British colonial government as indentured labor in the 19th century, and the African community, former slaves, had been divided, a story that Rodney wrote about and had planned further books, which were um, um, stolen by colonial um, authorities and sugar planters and companies, and since the late 1950s by the, um, uh, the two main political parties, principally the PNC, who continued to play communities off one another. As a leading member of the WPA, Rodney sought to bring these two groups together and achieved considerable success in doing that. Rodney's party work was also conducted under the watchful and brutalized of Burnham's PNC and its repressive state and various um, groups, especially from um, the late 1970s. So he emerges quite quickly after 1974 as a leading figure in the party and involves himself in every aspect of the party's work, delivering messages, recruiting workers, producing party propaganda and speaking um, at an exhausting number of meetings. He also maintained a prodigious output of writing, articles and pamphlets, a book, a history of the Guyanese working people, an astonishing book, which if you haven't read, I urge you to, um, which was uh, published posthumously in 81 um, and provided an historical account of the role of Indian and African labor and struggles in Guyana in the late 19th century, a sort of making of the Guyanese working people with its trademark clarity and sweep of history yet which manages to combine the detail, which we know, of course, as a Rodney trait, but also international political economy and perspective. Yet Rodney and his family also faced a financial bind of 
um, severe, of, of, of severe um, and punishing um, circumstances. He was essentially without a regular salary, so to pay for his work as a political organizer in Guyana and his family's new life in the country, he was forced to accept temporary lectureships, seminar invitations, and requests to speak at public events in North America and Europe. Charting his travel schedule in the years after his return home is dizzying and exhausting. Though some of this, this travel was undertaken for political reasons, he was in huge demand to speak. Um, some of it, a large and grueling amount, was to a large extent forced on him. During these last years of his life, Rodney was at the height of his power. His capacity for work was extraordinary. One friend in Tanzania, the uh, Tanzanian publisher, Walter Bogoya, recalls, Rodney was a serious person and he seemed to be able um, to schedule. When it was time to work, it was time to work. And you could be partying next door and Walter would be busy working. There was some, this was something in Walter in which I admired a great deal. During these intense years of activism, travel and research, his political involvement in the WPA was focused on the self-organization of the Guyanese working class, uh, along with other activists and members of the party. Um, and I think this is an important part for the next part of this presentation, which I wanna um, discuss in a little detail. Rodney's cautious and critical support for the top-down projects of socialist transformation in Africa were very much a thing of the past in this new involvement. Now, Walter's organizing efforts had shifted resolutely to the struggles from below. There are in, invaluable signs of this shift in a fascinating trip he made in 78 in Germany, invited by um, Reinhard and Tetzlaff and Peter Locke, two radical lectures at the University of Hamburg to teach a course, 100 years of development in Africa between April and June that year. The lectures were recorded and full transcripts were made in 84 including the question and answer sessions with the students. A informal photocopy book was produced and a small number of copies are still in circulation today. The lectures he gave on this course give a powerful impression of an activist and Marxist on astonishing form, engaging with challenging and wide ranging issues, the continent's history, slavery, independence, projects of radical socialist development. Frequently interrupted by students to clarify a point or justify a statement, Rodney deals with complex issues of political economy and Marxist theory with an astonishing sophistication and clarity, never losing patience or his narrative thread. The transcripts and recordings of the lectures in the archive in Atlanta, and that of course is an important point available in the archive, also give a sense of Rodney's own political development, reflecting on his activism and current work among the working class in Guyana. The lectures are reflective, so he refers back to his experiences in Tanzania and the conclusions that he was drawing on the weaknesses of state socialism and Nairi's uh, Ijama and the Orisha Declaration in particular. To start with, Rondi dispenses with the idea held, um, widely held at the time. It may seem an odd notion, but incredibly powerful among radical circles, that the working class in Africa was somehow an aristocracy in some ways privileged in the post-colonial state. As he explains, in some parts of the ideological justification of the Tanzanian socialism, they come very close to saying that the worker is an exploiter of the peasantry. 
that the workers are part of the exploiting class, even though the worker earns the minimum wage, even though the worker in the towns and countrysides um, were in the vanguard of the struggle against colonialism. Again, the seemingly obvious arguments for us today, there were radical ones that derived directly from, I would argue, the incredibly influential, though not unproblematic work of the Algerian revolution, revolutionary Franz Fanon, in particular, um, his final book in 61, The Wretched of the Earth. So in 78, Rodney argued that this argument was now being advanced, in his words, by the petty bourgeoisie who were trying to um, disseminate this idea that workers exploit the countryside. This was a self-serving point that could be used against wages, wage claims and demands, again in his words, for a larger share of the surplus which they produce. These are not abstract arguments and in academic discussions, but justifications that were made in the organization of the Tanzanian state and capitalist and socialist states across the continent for that matter. And Nairi, the radical president in Tanzania, was fond of making such claims himself. As Rodney explains, if the workers asked for more, the bureaucratic bourgeoisie would reply, you're getting that at the expense of the peasants. On the role of the state in Tanzania, which Rodney had seen as a possible vehicle for socialist transformation, his attitude had become much more critical. After independence, the so-called official organization of the workers was a farce, a process uh, of co-option by the state. Independent unions were vacuumed up into a state-controlled um, federation. However, in the strikes and occupations reported by Issa Shivdi in his landmark book, Class Struggles in Tanzania, and noted by Rodney in these lectures, there was a new politics and formation. Reporting on the workerist turn in the factory occupations in early 1970s, in his lectures in, in Hamburg, Rodney describes, and I quote, we as workers are capable of running this enterprise more efficiently than the economic bureaucracy. In a direct challenge to the management of companies, workers were making arguments that went beyond their own material interests. They were carrying the class to even higher levels by the, by the fact of posing the question of who should control production. In these struggles from below, celebrated Rodney, learning to some extent and reading um, Shivji's work, he saw a direct challenge to a state that had declared itself socialist and the possibility of a new society based on that class challenge. Yet there were also serious obstacles. And I quote again, Rodney in the, in the Hamburg lectures, even though theoretically the Tanzanian revolution accepted a greater role for workers, when they made an important policy statement in 73 called the Mwangozo um, Statement, a charter for workers' rights, the workers themselves tried to implement those rights that were supposedly safe, safeguarded by Mwangoza. As has often occurs in these circumstances, initiatives from above are taken into, into the hands of um, those from below. Workers themselves attempted to implement those rights enshrined in the official Mwangoza Charter. Rodney recalls to one of his classes in Hamburg, in one very important instance, workers actually took over a factory and they didn't take it over from the government, they took it over from a private owner. And they said, we can run this factory, which was a rubber factory, Mount Carmel rubber factory. They locked out the management and they were running the factory. 
and this caused the greatest excitement and fear on the part of the bureaucracy. Rodney draws the vital and obvious conclusions, as did Tanzania's political elite at the time. As he says, if workers were running one factory, then maybe they can run another and another. And this doesn't look too good for the economic wing, wing of the bureaucracy. The whole rationale of production as a class would disappear if there was workers' control. So they had to move to crush these initiatives. In other words, it made no difference what the complexion of the government's rhetoric had been, the threat of these occupations and the possibilities of real transformation that they contained was the same. The strikes and occupations had to be stamped out. Rejoicing it with the, what the bureaucratic bourgeoisie despised, Rodney goes on to explain to his audience, as, as he says, what in English we call wildcat strikes are not strikes which the union initiates, but strikes which come from below. The workers them themselves decide on direct action. The unorganized strike, not rearranged by trade, uh, prearranged, sorry, by trade union leaders, become the center of Rodney's focus in these reflections. Yet it was not simply a strike, but rather what the strike portends out of the action, away from the immediate material interests of the workers themselves, were the seeds of another society in power. Yet these strikes raised important political questions and organizational issues and posed an uncomfortable dichotomy. So the organized working class and the strategy of organizing workers was central, but conversely, the action of unorganized workers and their spontaneous protests was vital to a genuine project of transformation. In Hamburg, Rodney was busy thinking through these issues, drawing on his work with the WPA and the shape of political organizing among the working class in Guyana. Rodney argued that some sort of rehash of national liberation advocated at the time by the ruling party, constantly in the habit actually of trying to recreate or re-radicalize um, national liberation. Tanu in Tanzania, um, Rodney said, was not enough. So Nairi still in power in 78, he left the presidency in um, 85, um, had attempted again to revive the politics of liberation and in Rodney's words, words to reassert the liberation movement. Um, and this was a project um, that Rodney explains was likely to fail. My feeling is that despite all of this rhetoric, Tanyu has not been transformed. It remains a nationalist party under the control of the petty bourgeoisie, incapable of providing the basis for sustained socialist transformation. In other words, socialist, tra socialist transformation, real transformation, required pressure from outside the ruling party and in opposition to it, such as Rodney's WPA and um, was working um, towards such aims in, against the Burnham regime in Guyana. The regimes were profoundly different, but the essential class component was not. If the working class struggle from below in occupations and wildcat strikes was necessary in Guyana, it was also indispensable for the construction of socialism in Tanzania. To those who declared that there was something unique about Tanzania, Rodney was equally dismissive, and I love this quote. It is important to recognize that it fits with the general pattern which we have been discussing so far by which colonization ended through an alliance of classes but within that alliance, the workers and the peasants never had hegemony. 
What we see in the Hamburg lectures is a renewed orientation to Rodney, in Rodney's work towards self-activity, the occupi occupations of wildcat strikes that he celebrates quite explicitly um, in those talks, um, and the role of the working class. Not as one of numerous players in the revolution, but as a central organizing force. However, I do not want to say that this is the first appearance of this agency, rather a renewed focus as a result, I would argue, of his close work and activism um, with the working class in Guyana, a central uh, pillar in the politics of the WPA in that period. A new state would not come about by an enlightened leader, but through the frenzy of a class in the process of knowing itself and through what it alone was capable of creating. In this scenario, the existing national bourgeoisie, in Rodney's words, and their whole rationale of production as a class would disappear. There's a lot more to be said, and I'm, summing, I'm, I'm finishing now, you'll be pleased to know. Um, what is interesting, and we can perhaps discuss that, is that the transcript that was typed up and distributed in 84 um, does not include this discussion of the working class. Um, I think, unfortunately, that was left out. However, it is present in the full recordings and um, right up in the archive. The period in Guyana in the late 1970s, largely um, unknown by many, is one of astonishing, revolution, um, of astonishing revolutionary energy and politics and political development in the WPA. The upturn in the late 70s, in 1979 in particular, in the class struggle, when the WPA, an alliance, a coalition, formally becomes a party, in national strikes and the unity between Indian and African workers offered a glimpse of another world. Tragically, the full development of this politics and its realization with the um, coordination and leadership of Rodney and the w, um, WPA was largely broken. I think CLR James, in the lecture he gives in, in early 81, had a sense of the historical loss in Rodney's um, murder. Burnham decided that Rodney must be eliminated. The unity he had helped forge between the Indian and African working class and the struggles he had helped lead was simply too great a threat to his hold on power. Now, I would like to say, as you know, this year marks the 40th anniversary of Walter Rodney's assassination, yet there's still no justice. This is why it is top of the agenda for the Walter Rodney program at the Pluto Education Trust at PET and the Walter Rodney Foundation in Atlanta. Um, and they have issued a call to action by sharing some little known facts, which I've already shared in the chat. And a few of these can be stated. Um, the state and courts have not acknowledged the assassination. The 2016 Commission of Inquiry report has not been acted on and most shockingly of all, in my opinion, the Rodney family or his brother, Donald, who was in the car when he was murdered in, um, in June 1980, have not received compensation. So this is absolutely urgent, A, to continue Rodney's revolutionary work, um, of which the um, foundation and the program are committed, and to demand justice for the Rodney family. So please see how you can get involved. Now, to, just to conclude, a friend of Walter Rodney in Tanzania, the radical lawyer Joe Kanyawenyi, describes the unique and unusual quality to Rodney's character. 
and I quote, he was on some kind of mission that he was ready to die for, grounding with his people, living their life, eating their food, speaking their language, taking their concerns. His commitment was for the cause of the poor. Rodney's emphasis on the self-activity and self-emancipation of the working class rec recorded in his Hamburg lectures was an important moment in an extraordinary life, brutally taken from his family, his wife, his children, the people of Guyana and the world. And I'm done. Thank you very much indeed. That was, uh, that was, that was excellent, Leah. Uh, much appreciated and, and a lot of uh, food for thought there. Uh, I'm now going to ask people to, uh, uh, to ask questions. Uh, and uh, there are two ways you can do this. You can write them in the chat and I will, uh, I will read them out. Or you can go to at the bottom of your screen, participants, and then you'll find the chance to raise your hand, a little blue uh, button on the side. So if you raise your hand, I will indicate for you to speak. Uh, but if you, uh, 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 if you want to, uh, uh, if you want, if you want something uh, in the chat, uh, I can uh, I can read that out. Uh, so I have already uh, one question from uh, Leyland. Uh, uh, <laughs> nice to see you there, Leyland. Uh, you mentioned the oh moved. You mentioned the PNC dictatorship and election rigging in the 1970s Guyana. Can you comment on the behaviour of some of Rodney's former WPA comrades, like uh, Rupert Rodnerian, C. Thomas and D. Hines, who earlier this year were involved in an attempt to rig the elections in Guyana? Um, I, I, Steve, do you want me to, do you want me to, to answer or should I take a few questions? The, the uh, first, the, that's, the, that's one of if if you start now, uh, when we get several together, I shall I shall I shall point that out. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for, the, for your questions. My, um, I have been following things in um, in Guyana, but not, not in a huge amount of detail. And I I would say this: that there were, there are other people I know from the um, from those who've been listening to these um, the seminar who are in a far better position to answer that question than me. So it's a complete cop-out, but I, I don't have the answer. Um, of course, I'm, ter I'm terribly shocked and I've read um, some of the posts about this, but I would be interested to know um, more if anyone, if anyone um, does. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, so, uh, uh, Theo Williams has put uh, uh, put a hand up. So, uh, Theo, if you would unmute yourself and uh, ask your question. Um, first of all, thank you, Leo. That that was a great paper, and I think an important uh, call to call to action at the end as well. Um, Obviously, this question of how do we achieve socialism, is it achieved from above or from below, um, is a really important one and one that's kind of central um, to the history of, of socialist thought and socialist movements. Um, I was just wondering if we know any more about um, 
Romney's conversations with CLR James um, in the 1960s and perhaps how formative or not those those conversations were for Romney, uh, because it seems like a lot of what Romney then goes on to say in the 1970s about workers' self-organisation, socialism from below, um, were things that um, CLR James might have also said um, himself. I mean, you, you seem to locate... Um, the way that Romney begins to think about those things in the 1970s and his work in Guyana. But, you know, I'm just wondering, is it possible that in, in the back of his mind, he's got those conversations uh, with James from the previous decade that's helping him kind of theorise what he's seeing um, on the ground in, in Guyana in the 1970s? Leo, if you'd like to answer that. Yeah, that's a fascinating question and I think a very important one. And I think the relationship, and more work research needs to be done on it, but the relationship between um, Rodney and um, CLR James is key, uh, important, and it shifts. So if, and perhaps, you know, I'm wrong in reading this shift, but I see, you know, Rodney very much as a student um, of CLR James in the um, early 60s. You know, and he speaks at length about length about um, about it, um, and, and also about Selma James and their role in these um, reading groups that he attended. Um, and I think what he picks up from him is this um, this incredibly contextualized Marxism in which the real history, the real um, Bolshevik history of the, um, 1917 is read. I mean, of course, these are co complex issues and contradictory because of James had made all of all, all sorts of shifts himself politically. But nevertheless, he, he learns uh, a huge amount politically from him and about how um, to understand that, that some of those um, key um, early Marxists and how thorough you have to be in your study. And Romney assumes that, but he takes up, you know, he, he, he takes in a lot more. On the question of above and below, I, I think you're right. And also what I, what I really would stress is that is that 78 in, in Hamburg was not a, a revelation, was not a, a, a revelatory moment for Rodney, you know, in which there's a shift from, from above to below. You know, it's much more contradictory than that. There were very significant run-ins. In 69, I mentioned with Nairi in a meeting that um, Walter did at the university on um, Fanon. Um, but also, I would argue, more directly to your point, I see Rodney leading James politically in, this is quite controversial, I think, in, um, in 74, during the organization of the um, Sixth Pan-African um, Congress in um, Dar. And I think it was Rodney's intervention, you know, for a, an event which um, James had been very involved in organizing, which turned the event really, and which um, led the, um, the cry to those on the left about what this event represented, essentially a gathering of state leaders who would um, snuff out political opposition in their own um, countries. And it was Rodney in, the, in that debate, in that discussion, you can see it in the correspondence in the archive that leads directly um, to, a, to a shift um, that James is then forced to make um, in, in terms of that. So it's a complex relationship. 
um, but one that definitely, certainly from the 60s and on, went, um, had a big influence. And Rodney, um, you know, in 75 says, you know, I, I see James as a, um, as a role model. Here is a man in his 70s. When I am in my 70s, I want to look like CLR James. I want to be a Marxist um, and radical. I don't want people to see me walk past in the street and say, that man was once a radical. That man once had something um, revolutionary to say. So yes, a very important um, influence. Okay, uh, there are three things that have come up in the chats that uh, you might wish to comment on. Uh, Dave Dunkley has asked whether Rodney and Burnham had any kind of relationship. Did they correspond privately? Was there any uh, 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 any 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 correspondence between them? Uh, Michael speaks of the uh, uh, the class di uh, the the racial divide in uh, uh, in Guyana, and uh, I think. Uh, uh, I, I also would be interested in knowing something more about the way that uh, Rodney saw of overcoming those racial divisions and uh, uh, moving class unity from an abstract kind of uh, good idea, if you will, uh, through to practical uh, 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 practi uh, practical unity. Uh, and uh, uh, finally, uh, uh, Roberta has asked about Rodney's, uh, 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 his, uh, his, the invitation, which wasn't realized, to visit to uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, and uh, how does that fit in with the above below uh, 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 dialectic, if you will? Uh, okay, uh, if you could uh, comment on those, we'd be most grateful, thank you. Thanks, Steve. I, I love these, I love these events. The, um you know, these wide ranging questions, all of them thrown at a single, um, a single speaker. You're, get, you're probably getting inadequate answers. I'll do my best, but please, anyone else chip in. I mean, this is, this is work in progress. I, I, loved, I loved Michael's comment about um, Burnham hating Rodney. And that's absolutely true. I mean, it was mutual, but it's, you know, for some time, it's clear that he wanted Rodney dead. And um, Rodney, of course, had um, had had targeted um, Burnham's Achilles heel, which was his um, fake um, anti-capitalist um, rhetoric, you know, and his socialist facade. And so, what what one of Rodney's great organising um, tools had been how in his speeches he targeted very personally and ridiculed very personally Burnham's socialist rhetoric. And this, of course, is a key job, you know, certainly around the, you know, the 60s and 70s when, you know, lots of people were throwing their cap in the ring and claiming um, socialist credentials. And here was Rodney saying with far more credibility, this man is a fraud. Um, he called him, you know, he had a series of nicknames, of course. He used humour to devastating um, effect. And this got back very quickly um, to Burnham. Um, that's right, Michael's also saying, I hope um, they have written their wills. Absolutely clear, this was in 79, I think that statement that Burnham made. But absolutely clear 
um, um, threats. Um, and of course, a number of WPA um, members and activists were picked out and murdered in the course of events in 70, the civil um, um, uprising in, um, in that year, and then and, and killed by the regime and by its um, supporters. Um, I think Roberta's question really um, gets us to the heart of the matter. And what she raises, of course, is absolutely vital for people who don't know. And um, Ruth Noren and others in, the, um, in Guyana today say that with the tailing off of the struggle in 79, when those strikes which had seen unity, that had brought together um, um, Indian and African workers to some extent in the, in the strikes in August and September, um, and then, of course, as that wave um, breaks apart later on in um, 17, um, 79 and early 80, there was a sense of Rodney desperately trying to work it up again, to capture the um, um, radical um, upswing. And I think that's partly an explanation for the trip that he makes to Zimbabwe. So there's a combination. I think we, we need to be clear about this. There's a combination in Rodney's approach, an absolute and resolute commitment to organizing, which you see through the WPA, through organizing among the working class um, at the bottom of society in the poor, but also a pragmatic um, understanding of what a government, a possible um, um, radical, non-PNC government in Ghana is going to have to do. So he looked on liberation, as many people did across political tra traditions, the radicalizing wave, wave upon wave, um, across the African continent. And the country that had just become independent in 1980, in April 1980, was Zimbabwe. And so Rodney makes a trip, which in itself is an astonishing story. How does he get out of the country? He's under more or less under house arrest. And um, how does he get across the, um, um, the Atlantic? He makes the trip. It's a, a very complex um, story, but he makes the trip, stopping in Hamburg on the way back and Germany on the way back and in Tanzania arrives after independence, um, the Independence Day um, celebrations in mid-April, the 18th of April. Um, and he has long discussions with Mugabe and Zanu and meetings which were not um, afforded to, um, to, to Burnham in the PNC when he made the official visit there for the ceremony the year before. So the, the month before. So you can imagine how that feels um, for, for, for Burnham to receive news that a man that should have been under arrest um, in, in, um, in Georgetown um, had managed to make it to Zimbabwe, his nemesis. But it raises very important questions about this combination perhaps of approaches, this hope in the archetypal um, radical national liberation project encapsulated by um, ZANU-PF in 1980 and the sort of um, self-activity and political organizing from below 
of which of of which um, um, Rodney and the WPA were firmly committed to from um, in in Guyana. So those are questions which you know need to be discussed perhaps in more detail. Yeah, if I could just clarify, please, Leo, I was referring to Walters to the offer made by Robert Mugabe to Walter to do a history of Zimbabwe so that it was Walter's intention to return to Zimbabwe um, to do that, to bring the family with him and, and so forth, right? Um, that's specifically what I was referring to and how you situate that within what you see as Walter's um, development along the path of, of calling for revolution from below. Okay, I'm sorry, Roberta, you're absolutely right. So my feeling is that, and from what I've read, is that, is that partly because of the dead end that Rodney felt that the WPA was in, in um, um, or at least the, the cul-de-sac that they were confronting with increasing repression, that they needed to also to confront um, the regime in Guyana with, with, um, um, with arms. So I think that Rodney's um, visit to Zimbabwe was also an effort to secure um, um, practical support for the armed struggle, which is another element in his um, Hamburg lectures in which he discusses Fallon's celebration of the armed struggle. Now, he returns by all reports from that visit um, to Guyana quite, quite demoralized. It seems to me that Mugabe couldn't make him any offer of serious um, support to a fraternal uh, movement still struggling for its liberation on the other side of the Atlantic. And that the offer of the history of, um, of writing a history of Zimbabwe that you've mentioned, Roberta, was to some extent a, a sop. You know, there was nothing that was going to take um, um, Rodney out of, um, I mean, might well have taken the, the project, of course, as part of his commitment, of course, to writing African history, but he was, nothing was going to take him out of um, Guyana. And it wasn't just an offer to write the book, uh, History of Zimbabwe, um, but also to, and Mugabe was canny. I mean, he read, so he knew that, um, you know, that this, was, this would have been a coup if he'd managed it. But um, it was also an offer for, for Mugabe to, to, to move to Zimbabwe for a time, to write that, to undertake that work. So I think that context is how I read the offer, the invitation that was made during that meeting. You know, he was welcomed like a brother, no doubt, but there was a complexity to that meeting, which I think left um, Rodney demoralized. There's a whole other story that takes place when he returns via Germany in, um, you know, as part of that, that, that trip. So I hope, um, Roberta, that answers to some extent your, your question. Right, I see two hands have been raised. I see Patricia Rodney and I see uh, uh, Christian Hogsburg. So I'll ask both of you, Patricia first, then Christian to, uh, to speak. Uh, and uh, perhaps you might like to say something to give Leo a little bit of a break to catch his breath. Uh, so uh, uh, if the pair of you could, uh, could speak one after the other, Patricia first, then, uh, then Christian, please. Um, thanks everyone for this session. Um, there's just one thing I want to clarify. 
in terms of what Leo just said, um, the offer was made for Walter and his family to go to Zimbabwe for a year to write the history for several reasons. Um, one, I think that we needed a break. Walter needed a break. He needed to reassess the situation um, that was taking place in Guyana. Um, the other one was that Walter had worked with Mugabe and the movements in Tanzania. I, I, I don't think there was anything about Rodney asking Mugabe about providing support to an armed struggle in Guyana. That's not my understanding. I spoke to Walter the morning before he was killed. He showed me the letter from Mugabe and he said the family needed a break um, for several reasons, which um, I didn't get it. We didn't get a chance to develop on those reasons, but I know one reason was that at the time in Guyana that he felt it was important that he take some time off probably to reassess the situation and was to do the task that was being asked of him, so. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I, Sorry, have you done? Yeah, I want to say it wasn't a farce. It wasn't an attempt. Um, it wasn't his attempt to just leave. He planned on coming back. We were going for a year to Zimbabwe. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Christian now, please. Thanks, Steve. Um, thanks, Leo. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was just going to um, uh, just kind of come back a little bit to some of the discussion about CLR James and, and Walter Rodney, because I think it's quite, it's, it's really, yeah, it's fasc fascinating, really, yeah, quite important. I, th I think um, there's a very interesting essay Rodney writes in 1972 in the little book, you know, CLR James's Life and Work reproduced in there, which um, if people haven't read it, it's worth reading, I think, because it gives a sense of how Walter Rodney was really, in, yeah, sort of inspired by James's writings in the 30s in particular, history of Negro revolt, history of Pan-African revolt, and the stress on the kind of working class in there. Um, and then this kind of sense, I suppose, that by the 60s, by the time he's meeting CLR James in London, CLR James at that time is kind of um, he's not really, he doesn't see the African working class as a kind of labor aristocracy at all, of course, but he does sort of see that it's historically, it's not going to be significant. He stresses the, pe you know, the peasantry or he has, you know, big hopes still in the sort of pan-African socialism from above of, of, of Nkrumah and, and, and the other, yeah, other pan-Africanist leaders. So it's kind of, I think in a sense, Leo's right, you know, Rodney is, is a, is in some ways ahead of CLR James at that point, you know, or certainly into the, into the into the seventies period in particular, in sort of and you know reacting against that and trying to push CLR James to think again about the working class and about about that as it emerges. But I just wanted to hear about the issue of the kind of correspondence. You know, I think you might have mentioned some maybe between CLR James and Walter Rodney into the seventies. That would be fascinating to see those kind of dialogue. But I think I think you're you're 
yeah, I assume you're, I think you are, yeah, you are essentially right. Although I think Sillard James does make this interesting point as well about, about the question of revolutionary organisation as well with, with Rodney, you know, in his, in his after, after Walter Rodney passes. And um, I think that's also a kind of a, a, a telling point CLR has, but I, I think it's a fascinating relationship between the two of them going into the 70s. And thanks, yeah. Right, Leo, do you want to come back on that? Um, just, a, just a few th um, things very briefly to say. Um, one, um, first of all, to say thank you very much to um, Patricia for the clarification on, on that, of course. Um, and in light of, and it's a sort of question of, of course, if um, Patricia doesn't want to answer it, but it's a, a question just in general on that moment, whether um, Rutneren, who records Rodney returning from um, those meetings and feeling um, very demoralized, um, whether that's, it seems from what you're saying that that wasn't really the, um, that, that wasn't the feeling at the time. Um, and that also that this offer to go to Zimbabwe to take stock really, um, and also to write that history of Zimbabwe um, was one that was, um, um, that the family and that um, Rodney were taking very seriously. So that's, that's um, very interesting to hear. So thank you very much for that. Um, Christian's point on CLR James and Rodney, I, I really do, I mean, there was always this intense um, res respect um, between them, and you capture that. And there's lots of frustration, really, with Rodney's, um, sorry, CLR James's last, um, um, you know, his lecture on um, Rodney's assassination in London in um, 80, early 81. And I don't know how people here feel about that. Um, I've read it a few times, and I think in many ways it's quite powerful. And clearly, here's a man in dreadful mourning, you know, who who has. Um, yet there is a slightly, um, um, not irritated tone, but kind of admonishing tone in it. Um, that there there was a. That Rodney had not, he claims, understood the um, the importance of his own role as a revolutionary. He needed to do what Lenin did in 1917 at a key point, I think, after the July days, um, and to perhaps, as Patricia's just said, um, leave the country and take stock. I don't know whether that is your reading, Christian, of um, of that last. Um, eulogy, which I think is also a very fair celebration of this extraordinary man and this, you know, the, the loss of Rodney for a generation and for the Caribbean. Thank you. Uh, uh, does Patricia or Christian need to come back on that briefly? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I wanted to add that I think that Mugabe certainly sensed that Walter's life was in danger. And he actually said to Walter, you should stay in Zimbabwe and send for Pat and the children. Walter said, no, I couldn't do that. I had to go back home first and tie up several things before I left. That's what Walter told me 
on the Friday morning and he was killed the Friday evening. Thank you, that's very useful testimony. Uh, can I, I now see that we have two more uh, blue hands up, Chin and Roberta. So Chin first, uh, then Roberta, please. Yeah, hi, that was, um, that was a really brilliant talk, uh, Leo. Um, I think one question um, came up regarding um, uh, uh, Walter Rodney's approach to the question of race and class in Guyana in the 1970s and how he tries to overcome the racial uh, divisions between the African and Indian communities. Uh, and I think, I think the way he, he, he understands those divisions are absolutely, um, um, absolutely in, incredible in the sense that he says that, you know, the racial divisions that exist between uh, the Blacks and Indians in Guyana are not something of like a cultural aberration or, or an inherent prejudice. But if you want that, uh, those racial divisions in the 70s, they're um, a legacy of, of uh, you know, the, the plantation society, the colonial plantation society of the 19th century and their, their creation of the, the white uh, planter class that like uses tactics of divide and rule to turn the, um, uh, the Indian and black workers against them because you know the Indians were the blacks were imported first as slaves and then the Indians as indentured as, as indentured laborers and they were they were the Indian workers were used if you want to um, uh, as scab labor to break the insurgency that was happening uh, on the plantation and you know what is incredible in um, Walter's uh, um, Walter's writing in history especially in the history of of the Guyanese working people. Uh, or the plantation is that he gives examples of how this this division between the both communities has been overcome through the through the class struggle is that in taking um, uh, in taking strikes strike action against uh, the colonial the colonial government or the white planter class um, both African and Indian workers have come to realize their 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 common interests in the process and in the 1970s what he's saying is that you know we've seen those examples of black and Indian workers joining again and again they did so in 1924 they did so in the 1950s. But what I think he's thinking is how can that unity, you know, not be just something spontaneous, but something that could be um, um, uh, irres um, uh, unchanged, that could be long lasting. And he, his solution is that maybe we could do this, you know, through the level of organization. And I think that's, that's a large part of his reasoning behind joining the um, and the WPA, w, uh, WPA is like you know how can we build an, an organization that can work towards you know um, overcoming the, the the divide, carrying out this anti-racist argument within both communities, and directing that generalized anger of the working class against the Burnham dictatorship. And I think that's you know a fascinating legacy of what these um, body of work and activism. Thank you, uh, Roberta. Yeah, I wanted to add um, that Walter, Walter would never ask someone else to do something that he wasn't prepared to do, which, which extended very much to his family life, um, his, the way in which he supported Pat when she went back to school, the way in which he dealt with his children, um, you know, that he would literally clean the toilet 
if if that needed to be done. Um, he was in in no he in no way saw himself as somehow superior to other people. And I think when he returned from um, Zimbabwe, he what some people saw as his demoralization, I think had um, little to do with Zimbabwe, but more to do with what he saw as his immediate future in Guyana and whether or not he could contribute um, to the political struggle in Guyana. Because I think for his immediate future, he felt that he would either be dead or in prison. And I think there was a, a tension about, um, you know, if there were so many people abroad encouraging him um, to, to stay abroad, not to return to Guyana or to leave, people were offering to take care of the children and, and so forth. And I think that set of circumstances and conflict that many, um, not many activists are willing to do, you know, to try to try and strengthen family, to try and strengthen political activism and not see them in conflict with one another. And also, you know, how to come to terms with what he recognized as his importance to the struggle, but at the same time being willing to do the shit work together with other people. You know, and I, I, I think that all contributed um, to the Walter that some of us who were close to him saw in the 1980s and have interpreted in, in, in different ways. Um, Pat, I'm, I'm so glad you're on this call so that you can clarify some of these issues for us. Thank you very much, Roberta. Right, uh, uh, we're working, Leo, very hard here, but uh, I'm gonna I, ask- I have a question if you, if you, if you have space. Uh, uh, so what I'm going to propose that we do is that I'm going to ask Leo to uh, 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 to uh, 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 to comment on those last two uh, two points. I'm then going to ask Gad uh, uh, to raise his question, and I'm going to read a couple of questions out from the uh, 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 from the chat. Uh, two of which could actually be a lecture in themselves. <laughs> And, uh, 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 and then uh, 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 and then I think we'll uh, uh, we'll call it a day and thank Leo very much before we uh, before we wear him out completely. So, uh, Leo, uh, uh, if you please. Um, thank, thanks, Steve. Um, I'd just like to echo Roberta's um, um, final point of um, how grateful I think we all are to have Patricia Rodney with us today. It's a real um, privilege, not least because it corrects um, mistakes that can be made by the by the presenter. Um, I think Chin's point um, is an important one about, and he's speaking specifically about um, Rodney's last astonishing book, The History of the Guyanese Working People. Um, I think I want to say, to plug um, uh, a small book that he's written on Walter Rodney um, in the Rebel a Rebel's Guide series, a, a, an incredibly important and readable account of, of Rodney's entire life, but with, a, I think, an incredibly refreshing focus on the revolutionary activity in Guyana after 74. <laughs> so 
I don't know, maybe um, Chin can tell us when that book's going to be out, but that's a, an important um, addition. And I'm excited to, to see it in the book bookshelves and in the hands of activists. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, you know, there was never a sense of kind of history for the sake of history telling. It was, you know, examining the past and that there's, you know, very little um, chest thumping in the history of the uh, Guyanese working people. It's an astonishingly um, detailed and brilliant and sober account of the period from emancipation in uh, 1838 and the waves of indentured labor um, that um, were used as, as African labor after emancipation increasingly fled the, planta um, the sugar plantations. So it's a, it's a history that leaves you, leaves your world enlarged. And nor does it tell a simple story, I would say, about unity. You know, it's not saying that it was a straightforward process in which the Indian and African working class um, came together without question. But what he says, I think, at the end of the book, including up to, you know, the riots in um, 1905. Yeah. And there's all these wonderful comments that he makes about how often it was the stevedores leading the struggle in um, Guyana and trance. And one of the reasons there was such a powerful conveyor belt was they were receiving news of labor struggles in other parts of the world, not least in, um, um, in Russia, you know, the first, the first um, 1905 revolution. And they, you know, they have access to um, newspapers that seem to have been reasonably lively in Guyana at the time. You know, and they were able to trans transmit that incredible news of um, another working class taking um, action for themselves um, in order to spread the struggle, which led to, um, I think, a week-long rebellion. But it's not a simple story of straightforward or spontaneous, as Chin mentioned, of spontaneous unity between um, different groups you know it's one that needed action and agency and and organizational intervention and I think that's also one lesson of that amazing book um Roberta's point is of, of course spot on um and in, in particular you know at all sorts of levels it seems and I say this of course with as much caution as I can possibly muster from what I've read so secondary sources um, largely that Rodney would never ask someone to do something which, which he wouldn't. And that, of course, on the one hand, were, was political activity. And interestingly, in fact, I think perhaps that's where CLR James just got him completely wrong. You know, that Rodney shouldn't have done the dangerous work, was I suppose like saying, well, Rodney shouldn't have been Rodney. <laughs> he, should, he shouldn't have been himself. He shouldn't have um, spoken to workers in um, the mines in the fields or in Trenchtown in Jamaica in 1968. Mm. He shouldn't have done that. So it sort of misunderstands who Rodney was, it seems. Perhaps I'm being cheeky. So you have that on the one hand. On the other hand, you have this other aspect, which Roberta also referred to, of, of, of Rodney throwing himself into family life and also to the equality of family life. There's these great descriptions 
of um, um, his him cooking, um, you know, being being the principal cook in London in the '60s and being a great fan of Chinese food, which you know I might be getting wrong, Patricia, but certainly seems, you know, from accounts I've read, you know, a, a man who saw that domestic arrangement as key to a, a, and central to a wider political approach. And those two couldn't be divorced. Thank you. Right. I'm now going to make reference to, as I say, three points that are made in the uh, in the chat. I think each one of them we'll have to invite you back to uh, to do a full term lecture on. But uh, 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 Paul, Paul, who I think is actually writing from Jamaica, uh, asks how significant uh, 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 how significant was his time in in Kingston and uh, uh, the groundings and uh, uh, his uh, 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 his relationship with the students at the University of the West Indies. Uh, there's also someone has asked about, uh, and this is this. This could take you all evening. Uh, uh, his relationship with the with the with the ideas of Fanon and Cabral, and uh, Kate Quinn uh, has asked uh, uh, about the relationship with other radical groups in the Caribbean, such as the New Dual Movement in Grenada and the uh, ACLM uh, in Antigua. So, if you could uh, uh, if you could make some reference to those, uh, as I say, I know they're, uh, they're, they're they're massive questions. Then I'm going to ask Gad to ask a last question, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll call it a day. So there you go. Um, well, thank you, um, comrades, for those questions. Um, I'll try and deal with the first one um, on this, the significance of the period in Kingston. I think it was a hugely, immensely significant time. Um, and it, I suppose it's more evidence, really, of a couple of things. One, that you know, we need to be cautious about crediting this you know, abrupt shift to um, uh, politics from below in Rodney's work, absolutely not. You know, that his orientation to, um, you know, rather like Roberta's point, to um, the working poor um, sings out through his life, but, you know, in particular and brilliantly in Jamaica. And he's there lecturing. He's invited to, um, to speak um, on African history in lectures in the town and in particular among um, Rastafarian communities. Um, and there's some great descriptions of that. And he produces these, this amazing and popular um, lecture series for the poor. And the title on an oil drum speaks to comments that he made about how, Rodney made about how he would deliver these lectures on an oil drum, literally, you know. And metaphorically. However, it does, this also gives me an opportunity um, to quote something which I wasn't able to in the, um, in my, um, in my paper. See, Rodney, as a consequence of the, these lectures, Rodney um, produces a, well, a, a book of these lectures is produced in 1969, and it's an incredible book, um, The Groundings with My Brothers, and it's an account of some of these lectures among this community in the 19, um, in 1968. And there's, the book is, the book, the book is widely read. 
and in the archive, I came across an astonishing, um, an astonishing review of it. And it's a, it's a very powerful um, short book, but again, with all the telltale signs of Rodney's historical work and detail. So there was no simplifying of history or simple glorification of African history. It was providing real historical lessons and learning. And um, in, the, in the early 70s, he gets a letter, Rodney gets a letter from um, a librarian, W.E. Gocking from um, University of the West, um, West Indies. Mm. To Rodney on receiving his PhD book. And he says this, I leafed through the book and found it to bear the marks of scholarship one would expect. And I offer you my humble congratulations on this happy issue of your researches. He then explains that um, it, he was unlikely to read it, but that other people were, would read it. He then, said, he then adds, um, we've also recently acquired a few copies of, copies of the groundings with my um, brothers, which I think many are anxious to read while they can. That's a little book of quite a different kind, being polemical rather than scholarly. Indeed, in parts, I find it shockingly and surprisingly vitriolic. <laughs> but, I suppose, but I suppose that is its intention, alas. We are putting one copy of this also in our university collection for historical reasons. It's an incredible book, but this reaction from the university um, um, hierarchy gives, is a clear indication of really how it rubbed up um, um, certain people in the right way. Um, in terms of Fanon and um, Cabral and Rodney, I would say that Fanon um, was an influence on Rodney. However, Rodney was a critical and original um, um, thinker on, of, of Fanon's works. The same goes for Cabral. I mean, Rodney it did not accept, of course, the, um, the Wretched of the Earth was described as the Bible of political movements and the emergent Black Power movement, who actually the Black Panthers in particular in the late 60s and 70s read and understood the Wretched of the Earth incredibly well. Um, but what Rodney does is he brings some um, criticism. Rodney's groundings in political economy and Marxism were extremely thorough and, and um, impressive. And Fanon never boasted to, to this, that same prowess or was, or was even engaged in that same way. Um, in terms of the new, the new dual um, movement in Grenada, there was definitely excitement um, at this radical movement. And there was also hope that this was something, this, this was a, a regional and radical um, um, program that could extend solidarity to a struggling movement um, and the WPA, WPA in Guyana. To my knowledge, and from what I've read, I'm not aware that that came other than maybe official statements of support. So perhaps I'm getting that wrong as well, but it did seem to me from that, from the account that I've read, that there was some disappointment about the role, about um, how um, the New Dual movement um, didn't respond quite with the same robust support and solidarity that was hoped for. Right, thank you. Uh, I have been uh, quite rightly reprimanded for ignoring, a, uh, ignoring the question on, uh, uh, 
uh, on Rodney's legacy today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Gad to say what he wants to say. Uh, and then in replying to that, uh, I'd ask Leo to uh, uh, to finish up by talking about Rodney's legacy today, the relationship with the Black Lives Movement matter, uh, uh, Black Lives Matters movement, I beg your pardon, uh, and so on. And I think that could possibly be a good way to uh, uh, to end our deliberations to see you know, to see how uh, Rodney <laughs> relates to what we might call the way forward. So, uh, Gad, uh, uh, and then back to Leo. Well, I just first of all, as one of the uh organizers, co-organizers of the seminar, Leo, I thought that was fantastic. And uh, as Steve suggested, uh, I think we should uh, book you in for another one in 2021. It was just terrific. And by the way, I knew Gawking in Jamaica and that that letter epitomized it. So that there's so many questions that have been raised and that I could also raise. I just think you've raised a lot of fascinating points. The one that I wanted to ask about came from your discussion about uh, Rodney and Hamburg. And the fascinating point you made about his discussion of workers' control, which I thought was really intriguing. And I wasn't sure whether that arose from, um, from Rodney's um, experience in Tanzania or how it related specifically to, to Guyana or both. I thought that, I thought I, I, the whole concept was interesting, but maybe the comparison between the two. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gad. Uh, so, uh, Leo, if you could uh, answer Gad's question and then uh, finish us up with a, uh, 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 your views of the legacy and uh, uh, perhaps what we might call the way forward. Um, uh, Steve, this is going to sound terribly rude. But, you know, as, as Gad, and I got half of what Gad said, but as Gad was um, writing, I made the fatal mistake of um, reading the uh, Zoom group chat, including a question from Roberta about how I've conflated um, Walter's views with those of the WPA, which I'll try and address. Um, can you quickly um, um, can you can you quickly um, rehash the question that Gad had made? Yeah, yeah. Um, apart from, that's not a problem. Apart from, uh, you know, saying how great it was and how interesting it was and going on about that. I was interested in your discussion uh, of Rodney's discussion, ultimately, of workers' control and whether that arose from his experience in Tanzania or Guyana or both, or was there a comparison between the two? Okay, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, I... I I think I, I probably put in, in certainly some of the ways that I'm thinking about it, I put um, too much um, emphasis perhaps on the work of Issa Shivji, who was a student of- um, of, of whom, of, sorry? Of Issa Shivji um, mm -hmm. in Tanzania, who wrote, I think, some groundbreaking books um, in the early 70s on the class struggle, silent class struggle, sort of long essay, and then um, class struggle in Tanzania. And I think these books were influential on Rodney. And Rodney at the time, of course, you know, was a, was a comrade in arms with um, Shivji and others. Um, and, and I think that book had an impact, but I think it was a combination both of re revisiting to a certain extent, the time that he had spent in Tanzania in the light of 
um, the involvement in organizing in, in Guyana. That's one, that's one thing. Um, and I think it's also, you know, his astonishing appetite for, for reading everything that was in front of him, you know, and that, that he would refuse any simple answer. So, um, and also never read, you know, never read accounts of um, important arguments, but read the arguments themselves. So that, you know, that was important, but, you know, there was an instinct of critical analysis, which, you know, which, you know, beat in Rodney's heart, which would have resonated through those, would have resonated through those discussions um, and his understanding of the, the role of the, the bureaucracy in Tanzania. I think also would have seen, you know, that great last point that I made, um, that Rodney makes, um, about um, the, you know, for all the complexity of difference in these two countries, there, there were certain major similarities which he was drawing on. You know, one is the, the role, the sub subservient and marginalized role of the working poor in both countries who um, celebrated or whose political um, systems um, seem to celebrate socialism and political transformation in their name. He said there can be no substitute for the actual activity and involvement of um, the poor themselves. And that seems to have rung, you know, uh, rung out loudly in the way that the WPA at that point, a complex and um, uh, varied organization. And there were disagreements and arguments throughout groups left. It was a composite of different um, organizations in 74. And some of those groups left, including a, a, a small uh, leftist and um, a Marxist group. Um, so it wasn't straightforward. And I certainly don't want to give the impression of a single WPA. Um, there were arguments which you can see in statements, policy statements about whether to stand in elections, for example, where there are clear differences of opinion. Not least about you know the possibility of a national a government of national unity that I know, um, 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 Chin who spoke earlier has um, strong opinions about. Um, I would say really in addition to the point that I've made on the New Jewel movement that there would have been sort of knowing um, um, demoralization about the the role of Cuba really. You know that Cuba, of course, that was a huge influence. Nevertheless, extended a sort of lazy um, support for Burnham during that um, that period. Mm. Um, in terms of Black Lives Matter, I think um, you know Rodney's work in all of its aspects, his life both as an activist and an organizer, his work, incredibly thorough work as an historian, um, call out for. Um, this emerging in an astonishing movement um, to, to understand and to, to learn from. Um, not least, and we haven't really talked about that, the merging of the politics of black power that he um, becomes a proponent of from the Caribbean and his extensive work in America, 
in seminars, debates, and in that radicalizing campus scene across um, North America at the time, and how he transports that, I think, creatively and brilliantly to Tanzania and in other areas of, of his work, um, combining it with, of course, a critical um, and radical political economy um, rooted in Marxism. So that has a huge amount, I would say, is a huge um, um, contribution to play in that emerging and militant movement that we are seeing um, spread out across across the world um, in, in many ways today. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Leo. Uh, and uh, that was uh, a, a remarkable talk and uh, uh, we're, uh, uh, we're all very grateful for, uh, uh, for what you've said. Before we thank you, uh, I would like to uh, draw, uh, I understand Jonathan Ali's with us here. I would like to draw attention to uh, 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 an event uh, that I've put up on the screen. I hope you can all see it. Uh, Island Rebel, Walter Rodney and Jamaica. Uh, you will have received uh, the link to this uh, in your invitation to this uh, 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 to this Zoom seminar, but uh, uh, two films, uh, uh, two films on, uh, as I say, The Island Rebel, Walter Rodney and Jamaica, uh, and uh, I can thoroughly recommend that. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, please uh, 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 book your place and uh, uh, I'm sure you'll find that, uh, 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 that, very, uh, that very useful. Uh, Right, finally, well, thank you very much, Leo. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, uh, uh, a silent round of applause from, uh, 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 from those in attendance. Thank all, thank all those who spoke. Thank all those who posted questions in the chat. Uh, my, uh, uh, my apologies if I missed your question uh, or, didn't, or misrepresented it. Uh, but uh, uh, I think we've had a, a really good discussion. And on that basis, uh, thank you for coming and we'll let you know about future seminars uh, which would take place, I suspect, for the foreseeable future in this, uh, this Zoom environment. But at least it did mean that people have been able to join us from, I know, the United States, from Jamaica uh, and uh, elsewhere, who uh, uh, would probably not have paid the uh, airfare to get here in, uh, in normal times. So thank you all very much for your attendance and uh, uh, good night. Uh, I won't have to wish you a safe journey home. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you, comrades.